what would you say to a listener who's, you know, they've sat down, they've taken the time to listen to this interview and they're inspired, but they're not quite sure where they should start? We have a nice little expression that we use and it's left foot, right foot, the rest will follow. Hi, it's Marcus. In this episode, we have an interview Kim did with Jen Saunders of Larry Post. Larry Post is both a physical and online retailer located in Australia. Jen has a mission with Larry Post to get people outdoors sketching and drawing and painting. The reason for that is Jen's previous profession as an optometrist. And you'll learn how all that came about in the interview. I'm sure it helps that Larry Post is located in a very picturesque place, which makes it easy for people to take their art supplies and basically go out and use them right on Larry Post's doorstep. The first thing you'll notice if you take a look at their online store is their curated selection of both art supplies and stationery you can immediately tell that they are focused on things around urban sketching, for example, because you'll see watercolours and crayons together with fountain pens. It seems today, like most commerce, is moving online, but Larry Post is a relatively new physical retail shop, and I think the reason it's worked for them is that they have a very focused niche namely around getting people outdoors with a limited amount of art supplies. They have a clear focus and mission. Another thing Jen does is teach people about art supplies. You'll hear one particularly interesting story where a student came by looking for a pen to improve his handwriting, and six months later his teacher came by to inquire what they'd done, and she left with several fountain pens to lend out to other students. So that's a great positive example of how a shop can add value by giving people in-person education. Jen has lots of interesting things to say. Enjoy the chat between Kim and Jen. Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim here. Today I'm interviewing Jen Saunders from Larry Post. Before we start, I'd just like to apologise if my voice sounds raspy. I have a cold at the moment that I just can't get rid of and talking makes it worse. So I hope you can cope with that. All right, let's get started. Hi, Jen. Um, Can you just briefly tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Kim. Uh, First of all, just thanks for having me on the podcast today. It's just, you know, it's great your idea of sharing all this information. Um, Well, I'm the owner of the business Larry Post and, you know, some of your listeners have probably heard of um, our business and what we're trying to do is we're really specialised in, uh, you know, little tools, small tools for writing and sketching and it's, you know, it's really that simple and I suppose the reason that we're doing it is we're really trying to make it easy for people to get started and, you know, to carry tools with them, to get outside and, you know, just keep people in the art. So how did did you 
and Larry Post, I guess by extension, um, come to be so passionate about getting people outside and experiencing the, the real world and, and using analogue tools? Well, in a, in a former life, I was actually an optometrist and um, there's a really interesting thing that's happening um, with eyes and over, say, even just over the last 10 years, what we're seeing is a, quite a big increase in short-sightedness. And you can imagine everyone straight away will say, oh, it's the screens, you know, it's the computers that are doing it. But the, the actual science model is showing that it's a, it's a lack of time spent outdoors. And um, the data is quite surprising. Like, it can't be genetic because over 10 years, like even in Australia, we're seeing a, a doubling of how many young people are short-sighted. And what we think it is, is it's that the eye is not getting enough light. And that, you know, the level of light that's outside is it, like it's much, much brighter outside compared to indoor light. So it's kind of like we're thinking it's a consequence of this indoor sort of living. You know, that as humans, we've started to live indoors too much. So, you know, I was seeing patients that, you know, were short-sighted and, and rapidly going short-sighted. And now that I'm, you know, in this art space, I thought I can help do something about this. So... Our, you'll, you know, if you have a look on um, Larry Post, you'll see that nearly all our tools are things that you can take outdoors, you know, and that's the little um, thing that I suppose it's supporting. It's to get people outside. So that's, that's basically, that would solve the problem, that if people just went outside more, spent more time outside, that would, that would solve that problem? Well, I, would, I wish I could say that, but, you know, science <laughs> is never that straightforward. But yeah. the, um, the scientists that are really, you know, at the top of the research in this area, they kind of have a feeling that, like, they've done studies on populations and, and worked out what's happening. And what they can see is the only protective thing that stops the short-sightedness is time spent outdoors. And they've kind of got a feel that it's, you know, it's two to three hours a day. And it's, you know, people then start to think, oh, we're all going to get sunburnt. But it doesn't have to be, you know, in full blazing sun. It's just in outdoor light. Like you could be sitting in the shade under a tree and your eye would be getting a lot more light than if you were indoors. Like, you know, the numbers are, you know, it's like 10,000 lux outside and you only get about 5,000 lux indoors. So if you can kind of get two to three hours a day, you know, and it's, it's, it's kids, it's young kids, like primary age kids right through, uh, you know, to you really 18, 19, where the eye stopped growing. The good thing about that, I guess, is um, aside from, you know, going outside to do art, you can also go outside and walk your dogs or, you know, just take yourself for a bike ride or all those sort of things too. So it, it would tie in with, I would have thought, other general health and well-being too. Well, I actually, I think that, Kim, I think that just what I'm seeing in the eye area is probably a marker of a wider issue, you know, that we're, because if you think just even what you hear in the media, and more people are getting problems with anxiety, addictions, you know, they're all sort of things that are saying maybe we're just going a bit too fast, you know, and a bit too fake. Um, So, you know, I think, I think you're, you're spot on. And that's why even if, you know, going outside and sketching doesn't, you know, directly correlate to improving your eye or protecting your eye, it's got to be good for you anyway. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter. Let's just keep going that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So on the um, the art supplies thing, how is it, because Larry Post, well, for me, feels a little bit unusual in that often you'll go to a website selling fountain pens and they'll have fountain pens and they'll have ink and a little bit more, but, you know, that's sort of about it. 
or you'll go to a website and they'll have all the different art supplies under the sun but no no fountain pens and no fountain pen ink and that sort of thing how is it that you 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 and larry post have you've got a really good mix of both is is that something that you wanted to do did you actively make that happen or is it just did it just organically happen that way? I think you fine tune over time and you, you kind of really respond to uh, what your customers are looking for. But what we could see is we, we were keen on getting people outside. So that kind of, you know, that obviously means a notebook rather than a huge big sheet of paper. And um, a fountain pen, fountain pens have undergone a real revival. And I think that is an anti-screen thing that we're on the screen so much all day that when you get home, you know, to do something is beautiful and like a fountain pen slows you right down. Like you, you, you know, there's like the filling ritual, you know, it's almost like a tea ceremony and you're filling the pen up and you're writing, you're forming the letters. And I think it's a real antidote to kind of like time spent on a screen. So um, that was, that, that's probably what's driving interesting fountain pens. And a fountain pen now has become a real tool for sketching and the breakthrough there is actually the science in nanotechnology because previously, if you put a waterproof ink into a fountain pen, the pigment granules would clog up the feed and you'd, you know, you'd have a dried out, you know, very frustrating time trying to clear up that fountain pen. But now the manufacturers are using nanotechnology to make really, really small particles of pigment that can then flow through the fountain pen feed. So suddenly you've got quite a good choice of fountain pen inks that are pigmented, waterproof archival and will flow through the pen like there's still a little bit higher maintenance than a, a dye-based ink but you know you've suddenly got the joy of being able to use a fountain pen sketch with it and within a few seconds that ink is waterproof and you can do watercolor over the top so there's a real uptake you know of people that are sketching to be using a fountain pen because it's such a nicer tool to use than say you know just a, a fine liner or something like that how then do you decide on like new products or new brands to add to Larry Post? Because we're very much specialised in writing and sketching, like that's our area. You know, if it's not in writing and sketching, you know, you've got to be, I think, quite focused so that um, it's very clear what you're doing. And then as soon as you do that, you actually get good at it as well. And um, But the main thing that we do is, um, and this is probably different to fountain pen stores, is that we go functional first. So we, we look for tools that actually work really well, you know, and, and that's a, um, an example with the uh, fountain pens and the inks. You know, we've kind of um, experimented with different things. We use a lot of our science background to try and work out um, what will work well, and we actually run little tests on that. And, um, you know, we're looking for good watercolours that actually, um, you know, actually work, um, that, that, are, that are light fast, that are really vibrant. You know, and again, with paper, you want paper that's actually, you know, we all know what it's like if you've got rubbish paper. So I think that's the first thing. We just make sure that um, we're looking for stuff that works. And then I think the second part is it should be fun because, you know, you can get something, you know, people use this word bespoke, and um, you can get something very kind of looking beautiful and that but if it's not actually if you don't have a kind of good fun feeling about it you won't even open it up it'll you know it'll be too scary so we look for things that are practical fun they're easy to use and um, there's not too many hurdles you know to get started because if there are you know what you'll do it'll just sit on the desk so I think that's the second thing and you'll see that if you go onto our website you'll see that we're doing a lot of stuff to try and make um, writing and sketching fun. 
So you do also offer embossing services. Who who uses embossing services these days? Is it only like big corporates, you know, buying pens and things for their for their employees or or is it just general population as well? Oh, yeah, that's the same thing. See, and I think that's another thing that's kind of anti-technology is that people are going, um, trying to get some time off the screen using a notebook and then putting your name on the front of the notebook is like, you know, personalising, saying this is my notebook. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's getting back in touch with, uh, you know, your humanness. And um, we're, we're finding that people put either their name on, but there's quite a lot of people who'll put like a project name on. You know, they might have something that's coming up because some of the debossing we actually laugh. You know, at what the what the details are because it's almost like you're seeing, um, you know, some things not not stuff that you shouldn't see, but you know, yeah. something that's maybe a bit private. And um, and you can see that somebody's um, thinking about a project. They're going to use the book for that. And you know, we also obviously do a lot for gifts because it's a you know, it's not just gifting a notebook but you're giving someone something and you're kind of inspiring them you know by putting their name on like you're kind of suggesting that what they've got to say is important so it's an old-fashioned technique and I think um you know it's it's stood the test of time because it's personal. Do, do your customers mix analog and digital tools in their in their creative life do you think or are they or are they sort of separated? Uh, I think I think all of us um you know our customers and just people in general are definitely using technology and um, but we we tend to see this swing you see things go you know a lot towards technology so if you think with diaries you know because we do a lot of diaries uh, people went and started doing diaries on their phone and they and they kind of you know your diary sales will drop off and and then you see a swing back. And I think what happens is people dive in enthusiastically thinking that they'll solve all their problems by having their diary on their phone. And then they find, you know, the little problems. They think, oh, it's a bit buried. I can't see it. And, you know, I'll try writing it down again. And writing down is the first step to doing. You know, like you kind of, you know, when you even just write it. Like how many times have you written a shopping list on a piece of paper, then left the shopping list at home, but gone to the shop and still remembered what you've got to buy? You know, because it's yeah. like the first step, isn't it, of um, of, yeah. of getting that. Yeah, this is a thing. Yeah, so we've definitely seen that with diaries, and we're now seeing that with there's this big craze um, with bullet journals, and that's just mm. a more flexible diary. So I think people went, okay, they tried the phone, they've tried the templated diary, and now they're trying a bullet journal, which is a more flexible sort of diary where you're drawing up the dates and you're kind of morphing the diary into a form that suits your personal habit. And, um, you know, that's been very popular. But even in um, things like notebooks, like the manufacturers have caught up. So they'll make a, you know, a really functional notebook and it might include, uh, like Leuchtturm, they do a notebook called Leuchtturm Link and you can write your notes on the page and then you hold your, you use the app and you hold the phone over the page and the phone knows when to fire off the photo and then you can send that image off to Dropbox or Evernote or, you know, so it's kind of like a digital, um, uh, a way to digitise the content that's in the in the sketchbook, you know. And even like, um, even in sketching, like we've seen some artists go from really not knowing what they're doing to becoming very skilled sketches using the Sketchy app, you know, because it's, it's, it's a matter of, I suppose, having good analogue tools, but also having uh, using technology, but making sure you're in control of technology 
and it's not coming back in control of you and kind of taking over and, and dumbing down your creativity. And I think one of the nice things would probably come from that is if you go and buy yourself, whether it's a bullet journal or whether it's just a normal, you know, already dated diary, and you start using that and then you suddenly think, oh, I wonder if there's a better pen out there than this, you know, ballpoint that I bought from the supermarket in a pack of 10. And suddenly you find yourself looking at Larry Post and or, or anywhere and go, oh, that looks like a really nice pen. And next thing you know, you know, you've gotten into fountain pens and, and you're discovering that whole world too. So I guess that's probably another crossover with, with certainly with analogue and how it can become going from just one nice diary to... An addiction. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's a really good point you're making because sometimes people think um, I've got a fountain pen and I get some ink and off I go. And I think we all are. It's a matter of um, you do you get a new tool, but kind of try and become best friends with the tool and really work out how it works. And just in that example of fountain pens, you might get a fountain pen and you try and ink. And how it all works depends on, you know, whether you're right or left-handed, what the fountain pen is, what the ink is, what paper you're writing onto. Like, imagine the paper, it's like this matrix of all these fibres and it's drawing the ink out of the nib down onto the page. So, you know, whether it's a new stock or a recycled stock. And I don't kind of want to bring this up in a sense that it scares people away from trying new things, but what you've got to know is that you, if you play with it, the more you play with it, you work out what might suit you better. You know, and that's and then that gets you onto the next thing, and you and you keep fine tuning till you get a set of kit where you actually go, I just love this stuff, and that's what makes you want to then use it, and that's what makes you a better artist. Um, now I know that you um, do some work with students. I was just wondering what age group are they generally, and how do they go using analog tools? Because I imagine if they're younger, they're quite heavily into their devices and their apps and and technology in general. Um, how, how are they going with analogue things? Well, I, I think you're right. So, you know, you, you can tell I'm, I'm not right on the young end. Um, but uh, what we... Mother am I. It's uh, yeah, we're safe. Um, what we find is that there's definitely, you know, a younger group of people that um, are using technology but are also... Um, yeah, people want to be able to express themselves and... A lot of the analogue tools help you do that in a very easy and um, functional way. And probably the main category that I've seen business-wise that's expanded would be brush pens. And if you think of you know, a brush pen, it's, it's like it's a paintbrush with ink all in one convenient you know, tool and it's very easy to use and you kind of instantly, you know, even if you used it left-handed, you know, if you're a right-hander, you're going to get a result and... Um, you know, there's just some simple um, technique with it that you just put a bit of pressure on the downstroke and quite light-handed on the upstroke and you can just do some hand lettering or, you know, very simple, very accessible. And I'd say that's a really big category that's growing uh, with young people and easy to start, low cost to enter and a great way to get into, you know, whether it's a form of drawing or hand lettering. Um, so I'd say that's the most popular one with the with the younger people, and with um, the as people mature, if we use that word. We're, we're finding that people used to, you know, people my age used to retire and play golf, and and I think now what we're seeing is they still want those same sort of things. They want to learn new skills. They want a bit of community, um, you know, meeting up with people, 
and we're just seeing a massive uptake in urban sketching and you know the general way that it unfolds is that there's maybe a teacher there's a group of people um, they might meet up once a week they might have a short little lesson and then they might go out you know like we're Manly they'll go down to Manly Beach and uh, just quick sketch and then maybe a bit of watercolor over the top have a cup of coffee and that you can just see it's 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 so rewarding even though it's really simple and we we really encourage um people in that sort of category to just have a simple sketchbook put the date on the pages you know no ripping out pages because then what you see is you see yourself get better and i think that's the self-fulfilling prophecy you know you see a bit of improvement and, and you try a bit you know you try something else next time so um i think that's the one for the older group but you know obviously there's there's loads of crossover there's not you know very distinct categories so do you like your education work as such with students, is it all like online or do you do any in-person workshops or things like that at all? We're really trying to make online real. You know, you can tell from some of the things we're trying to do, we're real people trying to offer real service and even just the example of the fountain pens, like the fountain, uh, the pen shop is not, you know, there's not nearly as many pen shops as there used to be and people can't easily get out to, you know, we're one location in Sydney so we're doing things like with the fountain pens, we do loaner pens where someone can pay a, a small fee and they can uh, we send the fountain pen out to them for two weeks and they can try the pen and then send it back. Uh, so that's an example. And then like say with um, papers, we do sample pages. You know, if you're not sure, like even in diaries, you can get a sample page of a diary to see if it's going to suit you. So we're trying to make it really practical. But we also do have a studio, so we're um, in Kirkwood, just up from Manly Beach, and I, you know, will get people around the desk and just demystify a fountain pen because people are quite, um, like, years ago, everyone wrote with a fountain pen, so if you're talking to an older age group, they're quite comfortable, but then, you know, all us 1970s, 1980s sort of babies, we, we had um, biros, and so we're not familiar with a fountain pen, and to get people just having a go, not being scared of it, and just showing them just the basic machinations of how you fill it up and how you use it. Uh, so we'll get people around our desk and, you know, just do a little fountain pen workshop. And it's just it's just great fun. And, you know, people suddenly, you see on their faces, they go, oh, it's not that hard. And isn't it nice? You know, and then they're suddenly sketching and it looks good. Um, and there's all different fountain pens now. There's ones for writing and there's some with, like, bent nibs that as you drop your wrist, you'll get different line width, you know, and there's some with, like, a zoom nib. There's... You know, you'd be blown away by just how modern it is as well. Um, but we're doing progressively more of both things, like more teaching tools online and also we'll be doing more in the studio as well. You just reminded me when you mentioned uh, us 70s babies and mentioned using biros that I remember getting my pen licence when I was, I don't know, in grade one or two or something. Is that something that you did where you were? We had, we had, I remember that distinct excitement of going from using grey lead pencils to using a pen at school and I was thrilled to bits. <laughs> But they still do it. It's in about year five, yeah. So they have the big fat pencils, you know, in kindy, and then it comes down to a narrower pencil. And then year five, if you're writing neat enough, you get your pen license. And at the local schools near us, they actually get a little plastic, you know, laminated license. And um, and it's for a it's for a ballpoint pen. But what we'd like to do is, you know, we'd love it to be a fountain pen because it makes a big difference to, um, you know. 
you can't cut rituals out of life and expect to get the same result. And there's something about filling up the pen, making the letters, um, you know, there's just something in it. You get pride in your bookwork. And I'll give you a really good example. We had a, a young guy come down from the local high school. He was in year 11. And he, you know, he didn't say much because guys in year 11 don't. And then he just said, I just need some help with my handwriting and I'm interested in getting a fountain pen. And we just, you know, we tried, we've got quite a few demo pens and we tried a few pens and we set him up and, you know, off he went. Anyway, six months later, his English teacher came down and she said, she mentioned him and she said, what did you guys do? You know, like she could see a dramatic change. And anyway, she came down and bought six fountain pens and she was going to uh, introduce a few other needy um, year tenors to a fountain pen. So, you know, that kind of makes our day, stuff like that. And it, it's like, it does slow you down. I know I use my fountain pens to write letters, of course, but I've even been just using them in my, my daily diary. And I slow down. Like I'm not just scribbling in a hurry. I'm writing my words maybe still quicker you know, quickly but not just this messy scribble like I take a, a second or two longer to to form the letters properly and it, it just yeah it does it just slows your brain down I think and it's I think it's a good thing like I think that's a really good thing especially now when we are all so busy with everything that we've got going on in our lives I've got another fellow that comes in quite often and he's really interesting too and he's a he's a business consultant because I think this is another thing like if you go you know into the corporate world and you go to a meeting and people are sitting on computers and laptops like it's just uh you know if you can just get rid of those can you imagine how much better the human interaction is so what he does is whenever he's pitching to a new client he just gets his notebook out takes the lid off his fountain pen and just sits poised ready to write and he says it's so good because it just tells that person straight away I'm ready to listen you know and he sits there and writes the notes and you know and I think there's another aspect where it's just you know it's just being used as a tool of communication really. So getting a little bit personal um, what's your favorite creative outlet when you're not working and when you're not you know doing all that not not being mum what what do you do to uh, you know unleash your creativity? Well I suppose it really comes as no surprise like uh, I love getting outside so I'm I'm a bit of a hiker you know I love going down to Tasmania or New Zealand or something and I, I, I just love looking you know getting outside and I think that's the thing where urban sketching is quite quite popular because it makes you a better observer like you have to look you have to sketch quickly so that's probably the first thing for me and my transition from optometry through to where we are now I did a lot of writing so I would do a lot of the educational materials um, you know when lasers were coming into eye surgery and that type of thing so I was doing a lot of writing so that's probably my two things you know if I'm outdoors I've got a notebook and I'm just writing something and you know sometimes it's technical sometimes it's just silly but that kind of it's a chance to think isn't it you know like uh, and and to be outside doing it that's just the the joy for me but but you know and just the still the teaching aspect you know helping people discover they can do more I think you know we can all do that that's a, a good thing for the probably for the planet yeah definitely um so on that note then what would you say to a listener who's you know they've sat down they've taken the time to listen to this interview and they're inspired but they're not quite sure where they should start with that inspiration what what suggestions could you offer someone who isn't quite sure they might not have a huge stash of unused 
you know, items, or they might, you know, they might have bought lots of different things over the years and got too scared or too intimidated to actually start using them. What, what would you say to somebody like that? We have a nice little expression that we use and it's left foot, right foot, the rest will follow. And I think, you know, it's so true. Like I think about my own business, like when we, we started about eight years ago and it was so basic, you know, what we were doing, we hadn't hardly thought of anything. It's just my husband and I. And, you know, we, and then sometimes now we look at it and you just kind of wonder how you got here. But that's what we did. We just really did. Okay, let's try that. Okay, that didn't work. Let's, you know, let's tune that. And I think it's exactly the same with anything you do in art. And like in the um, outdoor sketching, it would be just have a simple sketchbook, you know, and it could, if you don't have a sketchbook, you could just get a wad of paper and staple it together and, you know, a pencil and maybe a little bit of colour, whether it's, yeah, pencils or crayons or paint, whatever, um, just so that you can add a bit of colour in there and just have a go. And we all know this. It's just if you just can do a couple of minutes a day and we've got this teacher that comes in and she gives her students a really good thing where she asks them to do a sketch of the teacup every time they boil the kettle. So if you have a cup of tea and it's the same cup and you learn to be a really quick sketcher you know, while the, while the kettle's boiling, which is only a couple of minutes, you quickly just do a sketch of the cup and then the next time you have a cup of tea, you do another one and you date them and you start to see progress. You get good at observing, good at sketching and that's what, you know, that's what will drive you on because you're actually starting to learn some skills. That's a great idea. I like that. <laughs> there, you might be doing it for your next cup of tea. I look, I look forward to seeing that um, posted somewhere, Kim. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Or maybe we can both do it. I'll do it as well because I'm more likely to write a story about the cup. So I'll do a sketch of the cup. I think I like this actually because I'm feeling I need a cup of tea. Thank you so much for your time, Jenny. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to add before before we finish this off? Uh, I think just be brave, you know, like um, and if we can help in any way, you know, just you can send us a message through Larry Post and just um, – you don't have to be too serious. Like, just have a bit of fun. It doesn't have to be an entry for the Archibald Prize. I think, you know, this is life. It's real life. It's not our practice run. And just have a go and, you know, you'll make friends um, through your art. And I think that's probably the most important aspect of it. Yeah, just like you and I, Kim. Like, we, you know, we hadn't met each other a, a couple of, you know, a month ago. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you. If you're feeling inspired after the interview with Jen, then you know what to do. Grab some art supplies, go out into the garden, into a park, or sit on your balcony or patio, and just draw something. I mentioned earlier on that Larry Post is located in a very picturesque area. If you have a look on YouTube for Manly Beach, Australia, then you should find a couple of videos by tourists which will give you an idea of the place that Jen is talking about. The idea of loner pens seems really cool to me. In most stationery and art supply shops you can go in and scribble around with the pens they have on display and with the more expensive pens, you can ask to try them out. But you often need longer than the time you have in a shop, which doesn't matter too much for cheap pens, but it does 
if something costs upwards of $20. So for that, it's really a great idea. Also, that Larry Post offers paper samples out of the actual sketchbooks and notebooks can save you a lot of time and money because you often have to buy a whole bunch of different notebooks and sketchbooks over time and use all of those up until you find the ones that you really like. It would be really nice if more retailers offered a service like that. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember that you can always drop by the forum anytime and discuss the episode and ask questions about art supplies or just post some artwork that you don't really want to share on a place like Instagram, but where you'd prefer it to be in a smaller, quieter community, then the forum is the right place for that. It's located at artsupia.org, A-R-T-S-U-P-I-A dot org. If you'd like more people to listen to the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes, because that will cause iTunes to recommend the podcast. You can now also have your say on the podcast. You can record a 90-second message with comments on the episode or general feedback. If we like it, we'll play it on the podcast. Just go to the same place you would for the forum, artsupia.org, A-R-T-S-U-P-I-A.org, and you'll see a little recording widget at the top of the page. You can record a message there. You can also send us an email to hello at artsupplyposse.com with any feedback, comments, or if you want to recommend an artist we should interview. So that's it for this episode. I'll speak to you on the next one. Until then.